Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to A Little More Good, the podcast where myself, Dean Morris, or Deaner, and my good pal, Zach Berman of The Juice Truck, explore themes that light us up. Things like human potential, coexisting with our planet and its inhabitants, and the fascinating area where wellness, mindfulness, sustainability, movement, business, and our own evolution and adventure intersect. A Little More Good is inspired by community and our collective potential. It is inspired by those that have walked this path before us, both locally and globally. Our mission is to connect intentionally and genuinely with the goal of planting seeds that foster growth and help us all discover the fullness of our own human potential. So join us as we have fun and meaningful conversations centering on human stories that inspire us to get out and live full, healthy, and meaningful lives. Our intention is to create dialogue that is not only interesting to listen to, but inspires you to take what you've learned through the conversation and apply it to your own life in a meaningful way. So let's get to it, and together we can create a little more good. Okay. Do you want to take us? We have to talk about curling at some point. Yeah. All right. Here we are back uh, with the Juice Truck Podcast. Thanks again for being with us. We're very excited for our conversation today. We have um, a great guest with us, um, the wonderful Jackie Kai Ellis. She's here to share with us a bit about her story, her journey uh, as someone who is a person of that wears many hats and has been through many different scenarios and situations that have brought you to where you are today. And we're really excited to unpack the story. You're an author. You've written a memoir, your story. Uh, it's called The Measure of My Powers. 
and you've opened uh, a bakery here in Vancouver called Boku Bakery. If you haven't been, make sure you go. Uh, the croissants especially are worth checking out. And uh, yeah, we're just so excited to be with you today um, and share a conversation that we will share with, with our listeners here in terms of strength and vulnerability and travel and food and who knows where else we might end up even maybe curling. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, hopefully we get to curling at some point. This is the new this is the new idea, the new big idea I have. Yeah. So, thanks for having me. I do appreciate it. Sure, yeah. Of course, we start with curling and just like leak out Jackie's master plan to like to yeah. to change the curling world. So we just decided that I'm going to start a new curling league. We're not going to drink beer. We're going to have a wine tasting bar that is <laughs> For only for wines that are chilled, like uh, whites, rosés, and light reds, like like Beaujolais that need to be a little bit chilled, yeah. make it a bit shishi, and it's going to be called, um, my league is going to be called the Curling Irons, <laughs> so anyone that wants to join and try curling, you know where to find me. That's right. There we go. Yeah, DM you on, on Instagram, which, if you're not following Jackie on Instagram, please Stop listening to this and follow her because your feed is beautiful. Thank you. The aesthetic is so nice and it's just inspiring, just like your, your story, your book is. So uh, hit pause, go follow, and then you can also reach out for how to, the, de- the deets on how to join the curling irons. Yeah, that, yeah, all, all the information will be on my website soon. I'll put it up. <laughs> now, is curling a thing in Paris at all? You know what? I have no idea. I doubt it. <laughs> I really do. I mean, they, I don't even think that they do hockey. So any kind of like ice sports, like I'm not sure. They seem too sophisticated to like throw a rock down like a patch of frozen water. Yeah, and can they even pronounce curling? How would they say it? Curling. Yeah, yeah. Or something. I don't know. Yeah. So no, their Parisians unfortunately are banned from the curling league because they can't pronounce curling. Canadians only. Canadians only. Vancouverites in particular. This could be a reality show on CBC. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) This would be so mortifying and so fun all at the same time. I would love it. I'm so excited. Yeah. You have to do it now. Okay, but what if... Okay, we were talking about how I can really envision myself be like this amazing curler. But what if the first time I get out onto the ice, I realize, and my dreams are dashed because I realize that I, I'm actually horrible and I can't curl no matter how hard I try. Well, I think just like your baking career that we'll, we'll get into, like, yeah. you know, you didn't start as a master chef. This is true. Right. <laughs> so try, try again until yes. I get there. Yeah. How many, how many uh, recipes or, or variations of, of croissants did you do before you found like the one that you kind of describe in your book when you shared it with your crew? Yeah, many. About as many times as I'll need curling, curling. until I get to pro Olympic level. All right. Okay. It's out there to the universe. I feel now. like you got We've it. Done our I, you've got I the resolve. <laughs> I got this, guys. Yeah. Will you guys cheer me on, though? Oh, I'm. I'm already gonna like. I'm gonna go to the website. I'm gonna buy this shirt because I want the swag. Because I know it's gonna be yeah. well designed because you're doing it. Yeah. Okay. So I want the curling irons like fan, fan shirt. Fanty. Yeah. If I win some sort of major curling championship, will you provide like a huge um, I don't know what you call those, like huge bucket of 
juice truck juice so I can pour it over my head like oh, yeah. Gatorade. We'll sponsor you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is You're already a sponsored athlete. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't even start this. Yeah. <laughs> sponsored. Okay, this is so cool. I love this. All right. Anyway, to anyone who's actually a curler, I do want to try curling. So, like, I would love, like, once this whole COVID thing ends and whatever, yeah, like, let's get out onto the ice. Anyone who wants to bring me in curling once, that would yeah. be fun. There you there go. We go. Okay, yeah. sweet. Shout out to all the curlers out there. Invite <laughs> yeah. Jackie for her first private lesson. Yeah. She'll, she'll bring croissants. Yeah. I will. Or Juice Truck Juice. Yeah. That's right. As your sponsor. And Cor, <laughs> yeah, as my sponsor. <laughs> All right, well, curling aside, I'm very excited for that. Um, should we unpack, uh, start start from the beginning? Yeah. Wherever that is. Okay. Where's the beginning? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, that's kind of the, the best question. So oftentimes um, when we get to know people, we want to know the context of like, oh, where do you work? Or like, what do you do now? And that can be like a really short conversation. And some people love to be defined by their their job right their vocation and other people do a job but live their vocation in other ways so whenever I'm at like a house party back when we could go to house parties or meeting someone new rather than the oh what do you do for a living I always like to ask like who like who and what are the experiences that like got you to be where you are today right because we're we're all on a journey and some of us may be like right where we need to be and are in our goals and others of us are still like picking ourselves up off the floor and trying to like crawl forward. So it doesn't assume that we've arrived somewhere. Um, what do you do for a living or, or what's your role? But like, what are the things in your life that have got you to be where you are today? What's your origin story really is the more interesting question. And I know that's huge and broad, but if you can think even along the lines of, of some of what you share in your book, The Measure of My Powers, um, what are some of the key things, key moments along the road of Jackie Kaelis that have brought you to be the person you are today that you would you would share with us and we could tease out some of the information and key points, I guess, from that? Yeah, I mean there's there's a lot of like job titles in that in that, which, you know, for pe for people who don't know the job titles, it would be like I was a designer and I went to Paris to study pastry, then started Boku and then uh, started a pastry tour company and was like writing travel food journalism and, and then um, and then wrote the book and and then, you know, yada, yada, yada. So that's all like fine to say from a technical perspective. But in terms of what I think got me where I am today is, and this might be a very, a way more broad way of, of answering this, but I think it's that I somehow, by the grace of whatever is out there in the universe that's helping me, I somehow learned how to become someone that just shows up mm. the best that I can in whatever situation that I'm in. And, you know, I think we as a society always look at other people and, and only see their like accomplishments because that's what we're, you know, we're posting on Instagram. Yeah. But you know, we all have moments where it's just really hard to show up mm -hmm. for whatever reason, even if we're in the middle of the height of our success, sometimes that can be the most difficult moment to show up. And sometimes not being able to get out of bed is, 
is the moment that's hardest to show up. But somehow I've managed to just lift up my hand even and say, okay, universe, I'm here. I'm here for whatever it is that I'm supposed to be here for. And I show up, even if showing up just means laying here and allowing. So that's, I think, what's gotten me to this point. Uh, by this, I'm like physically making circles around <laughs> myself because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this isn't a video. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, this is where I am. Yeah. Wow. Isn't it so interesting? I, I love I love hearing that. And that, that the one thing you said that really kind of just resonated was oftentimes when we're at like the height or the peak of like success or whatever might from the outside look like success, that might be the hardest point to show up. And then it's like doubled down by the fact that you're like, it everything's working. Everything's going how it should be. I'm like living in my dream of whatever it might be. And yet, why is it still so hard? Why, why is it still a struggle to, to be here, to be present, to show up? And I think that that's like a really important reminder or lesson for, for all of us is like, it's okay to feel not okay, even when everything looks like it's going perfectly from the outside. And uh, oftentimes that's when it can be the hardest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that idea of just being present and showing up and like sticking your hand up and saying, this is this is me, this is what I'm here, this is what I have to offer right now, or this is what I'm comp- like capable of giving or doing, and letting that be enough for yourself and for the world around you, right? Yeah, and sometimes I think what I've been learning over the last you know, three years, since I sold Boku actually, is that sometimes showing up means getting out of the way. Mm. And showing up for me meant you know, stop doing something, (laughs) just allow and allow yourself to receive, not because you deserve it, but because you recognize that sometimes so much that happens in life has nothing to do with you at all whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And that is what makes us grateful, gracious, and um, honest human beings. Uh, is just to know that we we are not creating it all for mm. ourselves and we're not in charge. And that's probably a better place to be than if we thought that we could just do it all, <laughs> which I did at one point think that. And I think I was a less nice human being <laughs> when, I, when I thought that. So, yeah. There's, uh, that's so good. There's something that I wrote down uh, when I was reading your book. It was in the first 20 pages, you had this line, I think you ended one of the chapters with it, where you kind of had like turned toward this decision and you used the words, I want to waste my life living. Mm-hmm. And it's like such a, such a stark phrase. Cause like, you don't, everything you hear is like, don't waste your life. But then to say, I want to waste my life living, like actually living it, being present, showing up, whatever that looks like, getting out of the way. Mm-hmm. Right. And that even in that, the one thing that I wrote as like a note was that there's such freedom, there's such liberation in letting go. Yeah. Which is like, in many ways, that. And is a theme that runs throughout uh, what you've recorded in your in your stories, too. And that yeah. sometimes it's the hardest thing to do is to let go. Oh, my gosh. Or don't we just all want to control stuff? Like, 
And I mean, obviously that comes out of a very natural human fear for survival and whether that's created in our heads or there's actually a, you know, a grizzly bear standing in front of us, but like we, wow. I mean, you learn it once, you learn it twice, you learn it for the rest of your life. There, it, on so many different levels, the idea of letting go. And I, I, I don't know, maybe that's the whole point of this life thing. I don't know. B- Buddha got it right, and we're all uh, wasting <laughs> our time ch- chasing all these Black Friday sales when we just need to yeah. uh, let go and detach. And yeah, I mean, that's one, one direction to go is, is detachment. And mm-hmm. um, it is a lesson, like you said, that keeps coming and coming and coming. You know, you let go once, you let go twice. Um, and finding peace in letting go because um, we I think we attach so much of our, our ego to you know these titles or to the things that we own or, or um, to the way we present ourselves but um, you know I think letting go in a lot of ways lets us get to the core of things mm. yeah and and one thing I've been really learning over the last few years is how how do you let go and yet not detach from the experience of it, right? And what I realized that, well, I'm not great at this yet. I will be one day maybe, but being able to completely engage and love and experience and live uh, and yet also understand that you cannot protect yourself from the inevitable inevitable pain of losing right. and needing to let go of that thing because that's also a part of the fullness of that experience it's like the other side side of the same coin as living the immense beauty that life has to offer is also learning how to let go of uh, and feel the immense loss mm. of that too and it's like Oh goodness gracious! That I think that's the, probably the hardest thing to do in life. Yeah, and letting go with compassion, um, which is you know sometimes a challenge as well to to love what we're separating from or or you know choosing not to include in our our next chapter of our life. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that another thing that you talked about a lot in your book that um, Dean and I were jamming on is is the power of choice. Um, is that something you can kind of guide us through? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many, so many directions to <laughs> right? go with yeah. choice. It's crazy. So I, I did, I don't know if you guys, uh, this was so long ago, but I did this Pecha Kucha talk. Does, does Pecha Kucha still exist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff so, Amata did a Pecha Kucha. Yeah. I think in Vancouver. Okay, yeah. Okay, so I did a Pecha Kucha talk. I'm, I want to say it was probably like in 2014 or 15 or something. Yeah. And uh, it was specifically about the, uh, how much of our lives is our choice and how much is destiny. Mm. And what I always thought was, oh, it's like 80% choice and 20% fate. Yeah. And that we take this, all these decisions that we make and we create what fate offers us or whatever. And one of my best friends in Paris uh, said, no, I think it's the opposite. I think it's like 20% choice and 80% fate. And I was like, 
huh, that's weird. So I started really thinking about this and I saw this one documentary called Humans. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. It's a really good one if you guys want to take a look. I think it was done by a French documentary uh, maker. Anyway, it was. it's all about these hu humans, interviews with humans all over the world in different scenarios and different cultures, but all talking about the essential human experience like uh, love and and uh, loss and all these things. And, and what I realized is that through listening to all these people is that, yeah, my friend was right that it's 80% uh, fate and 20% choice, mm -hmm. if not even less choice than that. Because I was born in a country where I could have an education without having to fight for it. I uh, could, oh, I don't know, people in, in Canada, for the most part, can express their sexuality, their... Uh, in whatever way that they want, um, at least now. I'm not being crucified for believing or not believing a certain thing. I am, you know, I'm not forced into marriage at the age of 10. And I have so much freedom to mm -hmm. even possibly imagine what the word choice is, mm -hmm. that that is a, such a privilege that I could even think that I had more to do with my own life than I actually did. And so we do have a choice to show up. And I think that that part of our engagement with life is very crucial and that we, we just need to choose the best that we can whenever we can. But yeah, there's so much around choice that is like interesting. Hmm. Anyway, okay, I don't know if that went in a totally different no, direction yeah. than you guys thought, but no, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. There 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 are no there are no roadmaps. We're just we're just yeah. going. The choice is ours. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. or so we think. The illusion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, that's so interesting. Well, one thing that I liked as well, kind of alluding on that, kind of furthering that, is um, it seemed that when you made your choices, you you owned them, whether you know, there was consequences or repercussions or, you know, even if things weren't going how you had initially imagined, you're like, I made this choice and I'm going to own where this direction goes. Mm -hmm. um, which I can imagine, you know, a lot of people just want to, like, pull the parachute if they're like, this this isn't what I thought I signed up for. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of going back to your point of showing up, um, like, whether you're choosing to be with someone in a relationship or choosing to start a business... Um, like the committing to, to that choice and, and consistently being there um, I, I think that is a measure of, of your power um, did, was that something you like consciously went through when you were kind of on different paths whether it be with a relationship or a business like um, and you're like this when I was opening your business, like it was so much work, and you know you were sleeping on the floor and yeah. uh, having this wild life, and um, did you have to remind yourself that this was your choice, or were you just so in it that you you were kind of detached from that at that point? I mean, I am I am blessed and cursed to be an extremely stubborn person. Yeah. So like, once I decide something, like it would be very difficult to to steer me away from that goal that I set for myself. Having said that, I also take years to decide on things that I know will take a lot of commitment. So 
if if someone said, which is why, like I, I sold Boku three years ago and still today I tell people I'm unemployed because yeah. I'm just like, I don't know. Like every time I think about what I might want to do next, I'm like, okay, do will I be able to, and I look at all the consequences and I'm like, Am I, do I feel passionately enough about this to do all of that? Yeah. And if the answer is no, I don't even start. So like, but once I've decided, I'm like, all right, balls to the wall, guys, let's yeah. do this thing. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, in the moment of opening Boku, it, I'm, I imagine it's kind of like after you've had a baby yeah. where you're, you're like, well, we can't stuff it back in. <laughs> it's out there. <laughs> it's out there yeah. now. Yeah. And also you're like, you're just moment to moment just trying to figure out what to do now. Yeah. And so you're so in that present moment that you don't even really have time to go like, oh boy, I, I regret like this and how am I going to reverse it? I mean, it, it just, I, I mean, I'm sure some people do do it, but <laughs> I, mean, I, I just didn't because I was like, also, I, I was in a place where I just felt like this is such a huge opportunity to live out something that I've dreamt of for so long. Yeah. And it was, I knew that it was a passion and, and that I wanted to see it succeed. And also I was fresh off of a divorce and, and needing to take care of myself and I was like, I need for this to succeed yeah. from an emotional perspective, a self-worth perspective, but also a financial perspective. Yeah. So yeah, it was everything combined together. You're yeah. All in. All in. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure you guys have experienced like with the business and everything. It, yeah. It feels like a baby, I think. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's like comparable like to having a child. I think that like... Um, that comparison's valid. Like, you don't sleep very much in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. uh, you stay up all night. Yeah. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things that you didn't plan for. Yeah. Um, you figure it out as you go. Like, it is very similar to... I mean, I'm sure some people read every parenting book out there, but it's all theory. Like, once you're in practice, yeah. um, business and parenting, it's just like... Yeah. Business plan goes out the window. Yeah, you right. can't... Parenting plan goes out the window. Totally. Yeah, because you can't plan work. for everything, you know? Like, yeah. if you're having breaks or... You have a customer that's, you know, not feeling well from something or other, you know, yeah. like you can't, um, you can't write that in your business plan. Yeah. yeah. And, and also I found that like the, the, the parallel of leadership and learning how to be, how to be a role model and, and your, your team actually going through very similar growing pains, like in the beginning, newborns. Or they need to feed every few hours yeah. or hours sometimes, yeah. and every, everyone's constantly like, uh, "Hey, hey, hey! I have a question. I have a question." And then they go through the terrible twos, which is like, "No, no, why, why?" <laughs> and then they go through the teenage years, which is like, "I'm my own person. You don't know me." And it's like, "I kind of do, do. I created you, yeah. you know." Yeah. And then by the time I sold Boku, the analogy was. I have a 30-year-old lawyer living in my basement and they're about to get married and have their own baby. You need to get out of my house now. Oh my God. Yeah, and I was like, this is like... And they were completely self-sufficient. Yeah. They did not need me at all. Right. And they were like, I want to grow. I want to do things. I want to... You know, and I was like, man, I am like that parent that's trying to keep my child in my basement forever. Mm, yeah. And I'm like, no, you guys need to like spread your wings and go like right. without me. Back, so back to the letting 
letting go. Yeah, yeah the letting go. The, yeah. the whole purpose is raising them up to set them free in the world, and then yeah. all of a sudden they start going for the front door, and it's like, wait, 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 wait where are you going? <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm going to do the thing you like taught me and inspired me to go do. It's like, well, not yet. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And that's yeah, you, you've done that. I think that's so cool. And even seeing like so one of the one of the people who worked with you, like she's got a cookbook out now as yeah. well, right? Oh, no she's, way. Yeah, she. Well, she started working on that cookbook prior to. Uh, like it was already in the works, but the timing was so perfect because after she took over and she was one of the first people that came on the original team and she was like me, she was actually a designer, uh, had a cookbook blog where she baked, zero experience in, the, in a professional kitchen and she just had the passion. And every time there was a new challenge in front of her, she would just step up. And eventually she was running the entire thing on her own. And it was just, and yeah, she has a cookbook out, which has won awards. She's so talented and all, she just loves, she loves all, everything to do with it. She's so good. And she's a better leader than I could have (laughs) ever been. Like genuinely, she's so good. What's her cookbook called? Uh, I think it's like, oh gosh, what is it? French, um... The Essentials of French Baking or okay. something it, like that. Yeah, it's like a 101 or something. Right oh, yeah, there. yeah, sorry, yeah. French Baking 101. Yeah, yeah. Okay. we can, we can look it up and put it on the show okay. notes. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get it right and but, put okay. the link and stuff. No, it was so cool. I, I mentioned already your Instagram. It's, I think it's so well curated and it's so great. And I was looking through it and I was like, oh, that's so awesome and yeah. looked at it. And I think it just like hearing that story now, like it makes the connection of how, again, like Zach had said, the theme of kind of letting go but showing up, as you said, and sometimes showing up and being present means getting out of the way. Yeah. And I think just to your credit, like to be aware and to be mindful of like the reality around you and to recognize like there's potential here that I think you really, really helped to create. Like you set the table for, for that to flourish. So you like you got to own, own the credit as much, but then even more so to say, oh, maybe by like recognizing what's going on in front of me, like I can empower these other people. And it's so awesome to think like that that's a ripple effect of like your story and your learnings of like how to let go and and move on, which just as you were even speaking earlier, talking about maybe the whole point of life is like learning Mm -hmm. uh, how to let go. And I mean, I've heard a few other people say it, so I won't pretend that it's like my thing, but I've always thought like, I think the whole point of, of life is learning how to die Mm -hmm. and to die well and we don't always have an opportunity to control that Um, and it's like not to romanticize death because it is very tragic but learning how to let go of things that are like our passions or you know setting our children our literal children free out into the world to grow up and be their own person and you can't control them or our business children or you know these things that we hold with as much passion and love and to turn those over and to let it go is such an expression of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. But it's it's teaching us that like there's there's beauty and there's freedom and liberation in the letting go. And I think that that's a lesson that we keep learning until like we finally learn it. Yeah. And we're it's such a loss if we if we grip onto stuff so tightly that we never practice that while we're here. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I think. Uh, it's just such a such a beautiful narrative to see throughout your story how that's been practiced yeah. right yeah it's neat it's like i i don't i don't know if you guys feel the same way like i i don't 
worry about death all that much. Like, like if I die tomorrow, like, this is so dark. Yeah, let's go there. <laughs> <laughs> if I die tomorrow, I think I would be like, eh, that sucks that I wouldn't have been able to like try that or, you know, cause there are some things that like I still want to do, you know, and I'm like, oh, Curling. Obvi, hello. <laughs> Can't die without starting my curling club, the curling irons. Um, so good. Sorry. So, like, if I die tomorrow, I'd be like, man, yeah, I, I think I would have really loved to, like, hike in Tibet. Yeah. Or Nepal or whatever. You know, but these are all, like, things that I'm like, well, you know, if it's true that, you know, we have multiple lifetimes, I'll just do it next lifetime. Yeah. Like, that's okay. You know, I don't have to experience everything, everything. But I think I would be okay with my life ending tomorrow. And that's not always because I, I find it so easy to let go. But for whatever reason, that specific thing I can let go of, I'll be like, well, I, maybe it's just because that, that I feel like that's so not in, under my control that I've let go of the death part mm-hmm. that I'm just like, well, whenever I go, I go. Like, there's not much more you can do about that. Yeah. But there are so many other things I, I don't know that I have a harder time letting go of because mm-hmm. it maybe I don't know, maybe it is really just the idea that you can control things you can't control and that's the struggle of not letting go is like what's that that like serenity prayer that we all need to repeat to ourselves for the rest of our lives yeah yeah change the things you can let go of things that you can't yeah like yeah so true yeah and then the wisdom to know the difference or whatever right yeah that's right yeah wisdom sheesh okay are we supposed to have that now (laughs) yeah yeah so, I mean, thinking about it less, so hopefully knock on, knock on the wall that you're, yeah. you still have lots of time left in, yeah. in this life. Um, like, what are some of the big things that you want to um, check off uh, in the next, you know, five to ten years? Like, oh. is it hiking to bed? Is it more businesses? Is it more books? Um, is it more adventure to other countries? I, I mean, I have general ones that, okay... Because I think you guys know me well enough that if I had, like, very specific goals, I probably would have already done them. Yeah. So, like, this last three years has been, like, a really interesting process of creating new goals. Yeah. And also recuperating because there was, there was a lot of, like, self-care that needed to happen over the last three years. But And so I'm just starting to, like... It's starting to become springtime. It's starting. I'm starting to come up with new ideas. I would love to do a hike. Actually, there's a, a pilgrimage in Japan yeah. that I've I've wanted to do since a, a friend of mine's done it, and I was like, oh, I've heard it's so great. And you stay at all these like like monasteries along the way and eat beautiful like vegetarian Japanese <laughs> vegetarian food and like I just I would love to experience that. I have to join you for that one. Yeah. yeah. That sounds amazing. How fun would that be? Okay. Um, what else would I like to do? You know, I would love to start a new project, like have another passionate love affair with a business again. Like, yeah. you know, and, and get so obsessed about something and be and, f- and really create from that place of, like, passion. I'd love that. I'd love to... I have a new goddaughter. My best, my bestie in Paris had a had, had a daughter recently, so I want to be able to like 
I don't know, be around to play with her. That's and awesome. Do things like that. I want to... Ooh, this is another one I love. <laughs> Every year, except for this past year, um, I go on a vacation with uh, 10 of my friends that are really dear to me. And it started because when I turned 40... Before I turned 40, I was like, well, I'm going to have a 39th and a half birthday party because yeah. it'll just like prepare me for the big 4-0. Yeah. And so we <laughs> went to Champagne and like rented a chateau and just partied for like a week. It was just amazing. <laughs> and ever since then, you know, we've been like kind of doing these, these like uh, get togethers and trying to like make sure that we all stay connected every year. So I'd love to continue that for like as long as humanly possible, having these people that I love so much get together. Like, things like that. Love that. Yeah. Um, before we go, now that we're like in the future, um, I want to rewind things back to, to growing up in Vancouver, but um, just as someone that's like obsessed with India, yeah. myself, I, was, I like gushed over your India trip. It was yeah. like, it looked like from the outside, like the trip of a lifetime. Yeah. Can, can you kind of tell us a little bit about your experience in India and if, if you'd want to go back and kind of your takeaways? Oh, gosh. It was it was pretty epic. I mean, I think I experienced a very unique slice yeah, of yeah. India. So for those that have, didn't follow your, your reels, what was, what was the slice that you were eating like, from? We were staying <laughs> at, like, palaces of, like, rajas and, like going on crazy safari tours and, and staying in tents okay. where there was like literally a button that you pressed that had the word butler under it. Oh my God. Like it was so next level. And, and I went with my best friend in Paris and we had the best time. The food was unreal. I did come away from that experience thinking okay, this is a very unique sliver of India that is also India, but not, for sure, not all of India. There's just no way. So if I were to ever go back, I'd like to do a trip much more like the one that you did, which is more backpacking and, and, you know, probably starting off with the food poisoning and then then like then being able to eat all the things and then build up that immunity yeah build up that immunity and and i i don't know there's just there's a real richness to the country that i think you kind of get what you give 100 percent. yeah i could sense that from and i don't think that because we were like doing this very like five star luxury yeah. India, we didn't have to give a lot. Yeah, you just had to show up. Yeah, we just showed up and it was like handed to us on like, in, like silver platters with embroidered napkins on them. And so like I'd really love to like give a little more next time and maybe get some of the other facets of India. And and what about from like a food perspective, being such a foodie and having your background baking? Like, did you have any sweets or or, or, or baked goods that? You're like, how did they do this? Or did it make you want to try baking any, like, Indian treats or anything like that? I I was more obsessed with all the different uh, dishes, like, more savory dishes. Yeah. And I probably... Oh, my gosh. Okay, so when... Oh, gosh, the food was so good. 
But then I took a few cooking classes in India and I was like, well, no wonder why it tastes so good. There's like a pound of butter in this <laughs> one curry. Like it was so rich. Like, so when I got back to Paris, I live really uh, near like the India town. Yeah. So I went and bought a whole bunch of ingredients that I had seen. And they, they have a great India town where they actually freshly shave coconut for you in wow. the store. That's and everything. Cool. Yeah, there's a very good very good um, community there and I cooked a huge Indian meal uh, for for everyone afterwards and it was so fun because I could actually start picking out the flavors and the spices and knowing what the difference between things were yeah it was yeah. a real palate opener that's yeah. cool yeah. So good. it's such a shame when someone's like oh it's curry and you're like no 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 like what kind yeah. right because there's so many yeah. variations of like flavors and spices that you said to be like it's like a it's like a curry. <laughs> no, that doesn't tell me anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, oh. it's almost like the anti croissant in some ways. Like the croissant's like mastering something, you know, a few simple ingredients and yeah. mastering it. Whereas like Indian cuisines, like you know, their great grand grandma's you know spice mix of like sixty five spices to make like this one flavor yeah. that comes together in that bite, um, yeah. and it doesn't necessarily have like the initial beauty of a flakiness of a croissant and the layers and everything like that it can, comes together in this melting pot. But um, yeah, it, it's just like, that's one of the things I love about travel is just like how every culture and region kind of have their approach to, to food and how it's so, um, there's like an adventure and a history and a story behind, you know, all of those meals and all of those recipes. Yeah. Yeah, I was just talking to a friend of mine who owns you. You know Mark. Yeah. Yeah, who owns Leglas, uh, and he was telling me about this Filipino breakfast, that, and I was like, could not wrap my mind around <laughs> it. It was chocolate rice pudding. Okay, we're starting off good. Okay. Yeah. Chocolate rice I'm still pudding. With <laughs> salted dried fish powder on oh. top. Oh, of the chocolate pudding. <laughs> Of the chocolate rice. Yes. Wow. And I was like, I can usually imagine flavors like pretty well. I'm like, I don't, I can't, I yeah. don't understand. Yeah. Like, I don't get this. And he was like, well, you don't really taste the fish. It's more just like salty. Yeah. I'm like, okay, salty, sweet. Got it. Oh, okay. right, right, right. Yeah. But like. <laughs> you could just put salt. I don't salt. know. Yeah. Wow. It is, it is fun to try to like. I mean, okay, that one doesn't appeal to me. But like when we traveled, we were obsessed with trying to like durian. Yeah. We were just like, whenever it showed up on menu, we're like, this is going to be the time that we like durian. Yeah. And we try it like, I don't know how many times we ate durian. And it was like, to us, it was never good. Yeah. It tasted like socks meets gasoline meets like... Garbage. Garbage yeah. every single time. But people love it. Yeah. My mom loves it. Every, every time there's like a durian anything, yeah. you, her eyes just like, she sees <laughs> no, nothing and no one else. Just that thing. I love that. Yeah. What about you? Can you, can you uh, dig into a durian? I actually, okay, this is so bad. I pride myself on the fact that I will try anything and eat anything. Yeah. I have never eaten durian <laughs> because it smells like, like, actual garbage to me yeah. and I will eat the stankiest blue cheese yeah. and a plus and all those cheeses but like probably proudly too right? proudly yeah. <laughs> I will stink up a hotel room with my stinky cheeses Amazing. but durian I just I I don't know what it is like it's yeah. just like I can't do it 
Well, you don't see, like, on trains and stuff throughout Asia, there'll be, like, signs of, like, no Nigerian. Like, you don't see in, like, Paris, like, signs, like, no blue cheese, you know? Well, in the or South... maybe you do. Yeah, in the South, I actually went to hotels where they were, like, do not bring a poisson here <laughs> because it stinks up, like, the whole floor. Oh, wow. If you dig into that. Anyway, what are your, like, foods that that you were, like, this is going to be disgusting? And then you ate it, and you're, like, ah, okay, uh, that's not good. bad. It's a good question. Well, I really wanted to like the durian, and I never got there. We tried like chocolate, like, like just put more chocolate, more chocolate. Um, I'm trying to think what else. That's a great question. Do you have an example for yourself? I hated oysters for the longest time. Yeah. And I just kept on like every year. I made it a point to eat oysters. Yeah. Until one day I was like, oh my god, I get it. And the only reason why I, I like made myself do that is you know. There are books written on the love of oysters yeah, and all that. It's huge. I also did that with olives. I used to hate olives. Oh yeah, I didn't like olives growing up, and yeah. now I love them. Yeah, but I think same. Like they're always at the table. You know, like when you went to like guests, it was like different places for for dinner or whatever. There was always olives out. Yeah. So I was kind of determined to be like, yeah. okay, like if everyone's into olives, there's got to be something good to it. Yeah, I was like FOMO eating. Yeah. Like, I don't want to miss out on this thing. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself like it. I mean, beer is probably the first example. Like, you know, having beers like... Yeah. I mean, if my mom's listening, like... <laughs> 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 like, 11 or 12 when I first tried beer? I don't know. 18, 19? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> totally legal. <laughs> um, but I was like, people like this? But then you just keep drinking it because, you know, like, it's like that forbidden fruit. Uh, <laughs> Wait. Ten or eleven? Yeah. What? Uh, oh, I don't know. I shouldn't say how old I was when I first drank. I was probably like grade five or grade six when I first tried beer. Like at a sleepover at like a friend's house, like okay, seeing yeah. like you know the parents' liquor cabinet, and being like, "Ooh, everyone's sleeping. Like, let's go steal yeah. a beer." Yeah. And like four of us would like sip this beer, and we'd like make those faces every sip, and be like, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> For kidding, like, it's I'll have another one. Yeah. Like. Do you like it? I like it. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, so beer was probably the first flavor that I was like, ooh, that's disgusting. But eventually, many years later, when I was of legal drinking age, you know, I became <laughs> When you tried it for the second time. When I tried it for the second time. <laughs> or like scotch, you know, like when I, when I like, um, I'm not even really a drinker, so it's funny that I'm thinking of alcohol like yeah. I so badly wanted like scotch because my dad was such a scotch drinker and yeah. I'd like you know have a scotch with him and it would just taste terrible and eventually somewhere along the line I was like this is delicious and yeah now, now I love scotch yeah, but yeah. Just I, I say the same my dad my dad is a big single mall guy yeah and I can remember it like as as a young kid not whatever like grade six or seven kind of thing be like yeah. dad let me try some and then he gra- grabbed the glass and it like wouldn't even get to your lips, and it's it'd be not. like, <laughs> like yeah. you could barely drink it, right? And now it's like, again, I don't, I don't drink a ton these days, but like a good single malt, and there's some like really good yeah. Japanese single malts now. Oh, yeah, and Nika. Nika, oh, the, yeah. the, the, the coffee one, the C-O-F-F-E-Y. Yeah. That one, a friend of mine got me that maybe a year ago or so, and I was like, I think this is the best thing I've ever had. Yeah. Right, and oftentimes we like, when we get into it, right, beer or whiskey or even foods, there's not all are created created equal, right? Yeah. She's like, oh, I want I want to learn to like find 
stinky cheese. Yeah. But then you're not going to go and like buy the best one because it's like really expensive and what if I don't like it? And same yeah. goes, right? Like I know friends who are like, oh man, I tried whiskey. It's awful. And it's like, well, what did you try? Yeah. And they tell you and you're like, well, that's because you tried an awful whiskey, yeah. right? Because if you try like what's good or you're persistent and like you can learn, oh, it's supposed to have these notes or these flavors or whatever. It's supposed to be strong, but not like gasoline. Yeah. I don't know. Same with olives too. As a olives, kid, like, oh, yeah. they were just like, as soon as the jar opened, I was like, no, oh, it stinks. <laughs> but now, oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm so sad. We used to have a little restaurant here called Good Run. Yeah. It was like a wine and cheese. Did you ever go to Good Runs? I did. Um, oh. Patrick, Patrick, a guy named Patrick Ondo, who you love, he was uh, one of the original partners in the Alibi Room. Oh, So God. it kind of had that same yeah. kind of like approach to, oh, man. to quality drinks, quality food. Oh, Amazing. Nice. Like a really like comforting setting. Oh, I love that. That's what I feel like I, I, I really, well, I mean, I haven't been out obviously because of COVID a lot, but I miss that when you saddle up at a really cozy bar and there's just an ambiance and you know where my old, like my old bar was, was, um, West. Oh yeah. And I mean, that's a bar that has some Vancouver history to it. Yeah. And it it was back in the heyday when like David Wallowood Nick was like the bartender there, and it was it was around the time that like we we opened businesses, and there was this sort of like boom. Yeah. It was almost like um, I almost imagine like the Big Bang when there's just like this cosmic like soup that was happening in Vancouver and all this amazing creativity was just and then like us like entrepreneurial creatures were just like climbing out of this like this like, you know, like DNA soup and, and creating stuff. And all these entrepreneurs were just sitting at the bar being like, Oh, Hey, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? And we've all kept in touch and everyone's doing like crazy, amazing things. And what was I getting to? Oh yeah. The bar. Yeah. The bar was great. (laughs) (laughs) The bar was great. It it was such a collaborative time. Like I do think that was, we, we talked about this earlier, like kind of like 2012 to 2000, 15 or so there's like a boom in Vancouver of like creativity and entrepreneurship and um, it was so collaborative like nobody was like that possessive of like this being mine it was seemed like you know everybody was like an open book here to help each other we're all in this together even though we're like on our own paths we were kind of all going in the the same collective direction and it was it was such a treat to be able to kind of ride that wave with a bunch of people and, and um, you know, yourself included, um, seeing where everyone's gone. Um, and that kind of makes me think of, you know, where you are in Paris now, like kind of an older culture that has, you know, has such roots already established. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, do you find like there's that same room um, for, you know, youthful creativity or is it more traditional or... Um, is it as romantic as it seems from the outside? Like, what, what is it like living and dreaming and imagining in Paris? It's, it's very different. Uh, so it's, it's a culture that is going through a lot of growing pains. Yeah. Because they have been very, like, Nope, we do it this way. This is the way we've always done it. We don't know why. We're not going to question why, and you better not to. Mm. 
And then there's this whole new generation, which includes a lot of expats who know a different way of doing things, yeah. but also don't know the old way of doing things. And they're like, no, we want to break this mold. Like, we don't want to stick in your mold. Like, this doesn't work. This seven layers of bureaucracy is not, you know, efficient and sustainable or whatever it is. And it, there's, there's value to both sides. One is that it's what makes us romanticize Paris and France so much is that it's like a time capsule and yeah. people go there because they're like, wow, oh my gosh, there's still these little, like, little boutiques where the guy only does uh, refurbishes straw chairs. Ooh, how charming, you know? Yeah. Mm. But along with that comes with, with a whole infrastructure of a country that hasn't changed since like before the first world war yeah you yeah. know and so it's you kind of ride both sides but there are young people and i'm lucky enough to live in like in a arrondissement that's like filled with these like young entrepreneurial people that are just starting i don't know like neat restaurants and like cool ideas and they're tr they're trying and it's it's emerging However, that's one thing I really love about Vancouver is how open and like dream, like we dream mm. and we then we go, well, why not? Let's just do it. And people are really creative, really proactive, but also very kind to each other here. And I, I don't think I've ever been in another space that's so positive and supportive as the as the community in Vancouver like and and really like when we started our businesses we were all like doesn't matter like if I can help you yeah why not if I have extra time or if I can go out of my way a little bit and help someone else I'm going to do it because if you succeed it means I succeed too yeah and I do think that that is the the spirit of Vancouver, which I love. Yeah, I totally agree. I love that you can like almost call anybody, even if you don't know the business owner or, or the staff or whatever, you can almost call anybody up and be like, hey, how did you do this? Yeah. And they'll walk you through it or like, or even if you're like navigating, like how much do you pay people here? You know, like it seems like it's just open door policy, um, yeah. super, super collaborative in the, and the collective sense of success, like you said, like if we can all rise, raise, raise the tide, you know, there's, there's success waiting for everybody. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And also, like, I just think that, you know, we, we know we were always in, we were once in a place where we needed that help. Yeah. And there's a huge sense of gratitude that, you know what, if I can, if I can do this for someone else yeah. and see them succeed, okay, great. Like, pay it forward yeah. and it is a community of pay it forward here I think yeah at least what I've noticed totally so growing up in Vancouver your your parents were first generation Canadian yes yeah um so you know there's Vancouver being a multicultural place there's there's a lot of that uh whether you know from there's a lot a lot of big Asian community here a big South Asian community um with a lot of those communities you see you know, coming from one culture and trying to, to fit in with another, did you often find uh, growing up like you were trying to live in your parents' culture from, from their 
you know, their original home and then also trying to fit into a Canadian culture? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I grew up in North Vancouver, so I didn't realize that there were other people of ethnic backgrounds that were in Vancouver other than, like, people in Chinatown. Yeah. Because, like, we didn't know anyone in in other parts of the Lower Mainland, right? So the only, like, Asian people in North Van were, like, me and then, like, my sister and then our cousins (laughs) and then, like, my aunts and uncles. Like, it was us. And and then my best friend, Chisato, who, like, we became friends because she was, like, the other Asian. (laughs) So, and, I mean, I... It was a really interesting uh, struggle that I think a lot of second generation um, people go through is that you at once feel entirely, you know, of your parents' culture and then entirely of Canadian culture. Yeah. uh, Whatever Canadian culture is. I mean, that's obviously... Loaded. It's loaded, (laughs) but like in that idea of like especially back then Canadian culture was, you know, fit into more of like an Anglo Western prototype or whatever. Yeah. And then, so you felt completely included in both and then completely excluded and not a part of either. Yeah. And so it was this like back and forth swaying of rejecting and accepting and rejecting of the different identities within yourself and I don't think that this is now looking back I don't think this is any different of an experience as any other teenager every other teenager is trying to figure out who they are what their identity is I am now a skater no I am a prep like jock no I'm a you know like where do I belong who am I like it was just another two categories to be dealing with right obviously there are so many other layers but Generally, what I think that I came away from is that I was very lucky that I wasn't extremely bullied because of my race, because I know a lot of people were, um, and I didn't, either I didn't notice it or I wasn't, I didn't, wasn't as uh, exposed to it, but I didn't deal with a ton of racism. Yeah. So I was very lucky. And I think that what it's done for me as a person is that it's made me a lot more understanding of that there are so many different ways to do one thing mm. and so many different perspectives on one one thing and that and I know how hard it is to try to communicate when you don't know a language and how hard it is to um, just I don't know live sometimes when you don't know how to, I don't know, how the government works or how this works or whatever, start a business, like all these things. It's so, but now I get to see all these different sides and I think my brain is like more malleable that way because I can shift my perspective more easily because I had to do it a lot when I was a kid. Mm, So That's cool. So it's given you like a a superpower to be able to, to fit into different situations. I think so, yeah. Or or even just to be like, okay, let me put myself in that person's shoes. Yeah. Okay, it's not nothing is exactly the way we see it, you know. So, yeah, because I remember one of the most impactful moments from when I was a kid. My parents uh, were 
you know, not wealthy when they were growing, when I was growing up really small. They were going to school, building businesses, working part-time jobs all at the same time while uh, having 10 people in the house because they were also housing my grandparents, two cousins, two uncles, and aunt, my sister and I, wow. all in one house. And my two parents were paying for everyone to try to have some sort of a normal life, going to school and building businesses. Like, we think we have it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, were, they were working a lot. So I remember my mom was working as a waitress on the side, and uh, it was at the Bay, because the Bay used to have right. a restaurant. Or do yeah. they still? No, no, I remember that. No, I, remember, yeah. I remember the restaurant. Prime Rib Thursdays. <laughs> um, and then in North Van, or in West Van, sorry, they also owned a hot dog stand in the mall. Your parents said... No, uh, the bay. The bay, then. Okay. Yeah. And, and so you would go and get a malt and a hot dog at this hot dog stand. Yeah. And my mom worked there, and I, we never really went to her work when she was there, but for whatever reason that day, my aunt brought us to go and get hot dogs uh, from the hot dog stand, knowing my mom would be there. And I remember thinking, what's my mom doing in that hot dog outfit? Yeah. Like, when, in those, like, almost, like, soda, soda jerk outfits, you know? Yeah. And then I remember in front of us, there was like this teenager that was like not very respectful and he was treating my mom horribly. And I remember thinking, people treat my mom poorly? Like, how is it possible that some child doesn't have the respect for their elders? Because I was always taught like you respect your elders and what they say goes. But on top of that, I've, I had never seen someone disrespect my mother mm. because I, there would just be no way that I would ever get away with that, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was so shocked. And I just remember thinking, oh, yeah, like she's misunderstood. Nobody knows how powerful and smart and capable and incredible this woman is. Like this child doesn't know. Right. And it's all about perspective and and how little you can see in your limited vision yeah. and that was a really amazing like you just never know who people are that's amazing yeah, yeah. What a, what i was just projecting to like every single person working like a hot dog cart in vancouver and thinking like yeah there's these incredible stories and journeys behind i mean it doesn't have to be a hot dog cart but like yeah, yeah. taking the time to have that that connection um and understanding that you know it's much more than somebody just serving up a hot dog right yeah or the people that we like we see but we don't even we don't even really see you know like yeah. the person uh, in the market who walks around and like makes sure that it's like clean yeah. right we, we just you see them yeah. but they almost blend into the background and like yeah. that's a human being with like yeah. a story and we we diminish them based on what it seems their their job is yeah when we and when we do that we deprive them of like the richness of who they are right this powerful strong wise person who in this moment might be doing this job yeah but you don't realize that's part of what makes them so strong or so unique right yeah yeah that's such a that's an important <laughs> reminder for all of us to be like see yeah. people right yeah. see them yeah it, do you guys ever do this okay sometimes i i don't know why i do this thing where i just sort of like sit there and i look around and i'm like 
there are so many random people just walking around and every single one of these people is probably stressed out and struggling with something. They have a whole life where they have, you know, every single one of these people are dealing with their mommy and daddy issues right now. Yeah. And like, they have all these experiences. And then you think, how many people are in this world? And every single person is going through something. Yeah. And then you think there are generations and centuries of people that are go that have gone through something and more to come. And I just think to myself, how is this possible? Like that we think like our I know my life experience has been so rich and everyone else has had a similar, you know, life experience where there's so much has happened mm -hmm. to them. It's cr it's mind-boggling to think about. Yeah, um, yeah, it's almost overwhelming. Like how? Yeah. I don't even understand. Like my brain is not capable of like comprehending this. Yeah. No, the miracle of life. I mean, I was uh, I was reading somewhere like that we're all like one in eight people from Asia or something like that are like descendants of like Genghis Khan or something like that. What? Yeah, <laughs> and then oh it just God. got me like thinking of like the miracle of like. Like dating back to like the first human, like that somehow we all got here, you know, like that all of our ancestors survived long enough to like procreate in a way, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. even the miracle of like conception. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was like two hundred and fifty million sperm. Yeah. Right. In one in one go. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you tried to make that so polite. I know, in yeah. one go. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to go here today? Yeah, yeah. But no, and, and like one of those makes it. Yeah. yeah. Right? And then there's this, like the science behind it is absolutely astounding. It is. And, then, and then you look around and there's all of these people yeah. Or more appropriately, like all of these miracles. Yeah. And we're wandering around and we're worried about, you know, yeah. all of these stressors in our world that we often invite on ourselves. Not always, but often. And to just, yeah, to, to see, like, it's not just a person on the street or a person you're serving or lined up or sitting there eating a chocolate chip cookie in your yeah. bakery. Yeah. Like there, there's a whole, literally like a whole universe within them, yeah. right, that they're, that they're containing, and it might be their most euphoric moment or their lowest moment, and we, we often just don't see with that perception, right? Yeah. And it reminds me of the story that you told in your book where you were at the, at the farmer's market, mm -hmm. and there was a young woman, right? Yeah. And she was, like, looking at the, was it biscotti? Yeah, biscotti. Yeah. She was looking at the biscotti you had made, and, like, you you saw yourself in her, yeah. right? And this is kind of, it's kind of like this empathy where when you see someone else, we often don't want to look because we know maybe we'll see like a bit of truth about us in them. Yeah. And that just like that seeing, you know, seeing your mom as a kid and like recognizing this, this conversation, this power differential, this yeah. disrespect that was happening. Like you were aware of that, you were tuned in. And then all these years later too, at a farmer's market to be kind of like frustrated and annoyed at this person or whatever. Yeah. Like, what is your deal? And be like, oh, I'm actually, that's me. Yeah, it, that's, you know, just for like people who haven't read the book, like I, I actually really love this moment because to me it is like the epitome of, of storytelling in a sense, like the importance of storytelling. 
So there was, at the time, I was struggling a lot with like um, body dysmorphia and, and, and uh, bulimia and not like severe, severe, but you know, enough that it was, well, any, any bulimia is a problem, but enough yes. that it was, it was, I was really struggling with it. So, and there was, and I was like counting calories, counting, looking at every single thing that I was eating and writing it down, like obsessively in like books and diaries and, 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 oh my gosh, it was just a very, very stressful and to say the least time in my life. Um, and I had started a farmer's market bakery and, uh, this girl who was very obviously, um, struggling with some sort of eating disorder just from her, like, like the fact that her, her she was quite pallid and, and her body seemed quite frail. And I mean, you can kind of see signs sometimes. And uh, she was exhibiting behaviors of that where she would take something up, pick something up off the table, look at it, ask me a ton of questions about what was in it, and then put it back down, take a walk, come back 10 minutes later, ask me a ton more questions about what was in it. And I knew because I was in the same phase that what she was doing was trying to decipher whether or not this would be safe for her to eat like safe foods um and and i remember feeling so disgusted by her i was like you're pathetic like i was thinking in my head you're disgusting and i was just like all of a sudden i had this dawning moment where i just thought all of these thoughts that i'm having towards her are not about her at all these are the things that I feel about myself. And that's why there's this issue. Mm. And I saw how sad she was. I saw how desperate. Because when you're in the midst of that cycle, you're just desperate both for it to end and scared of it ending at the same time because you don't know what happens after. And I remember just feeling just a spark of pure compassion and sorrow and just like I understand and like I, I feel bad for you and then that was one of the first moments where I could actually understand what it meant to have compassion for myself because I was like well if I hate her because I hate me and I, I could understand and love her because and then maybe I can also love me too mm. so it was in that storytelling right it's like we read into someone else's story, we project that which is ourselves, and then we learn and uh, about ourselves too. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know. Does that make? Oh, that's sense? beautiful. Okay, yeah, Thank I you. love that. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, for for people that are going through, you know, struggles with one one of the things I found inspiring from your book um, were your ability to overcome obstacles and and you know sharing your own journeys through darkness to come to the light. Um, so how, how were you able to overcome that, um, that relationship with food and with your own body image to, to get to the place where, you know, you can now celebrate, you know, a cookie full of, you know, decadent things that might have been poisoned before? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, this is what my my journey looked like because I, I I know that other people go through things that are way more intense and way more um, life-threatening uh, for me my 
uh, body dysmorphia really stemmed from the very classic things like what culture tells us we're supposed to look like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, and also growing up Asian, um, in that time period, uh, Asian people weren't seen as beautiful, like to a lot of like pop culture in, in like, you know, Canada. For example, when in t when I was a teenager, like we would pick up fashion magazines, and mm -hmm. they would say like, "Oh, here, do your makeup this way," and and I was just like, "I can't. I'm Asian. Yeah. We don't have that on our faces, yeah. like things like that." So, you know, you kind of grow up with all of that. So, and then also just like the classic low self esteem, low self worth, and we all we all deal with that to a certain degree. How did I get over it? In a short sentence or a short word is therapy. Yeah. I, I cannot stress enough that we do not have to do it alone and that there are tools to help us at least reframe our current reality. And whether it's through therapy or other forms of uh, support, I just think that it's really hard to do alone and almost impossible, especially when it's alone that we've created this uh, this dysmorphia in our, of, of our minds, mm. we need people who care about us, whether it's family or, or, or therapists or whatever. And okay, this might be a good time to like plug a company that I just found yeah. that is so cool. I work with them in no way. Like, they're not paying me. So, like, just so <laughs> people know. Post. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, hashtag ambassador. Um, they're called Worth Hats. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw you. Uh, we've done some stuff with them, too. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I saw your post. Yeah. And um, I actually thought of it when Dean started at the beginning of the podcast, mentioning that you were many hats just because you just posted I instantly pictured you in your cool worth hat so yeah. go ahead give them a little little love so worth is w-i-r-t-h I don't even know how I found them but I love what they're doing 100% of their proceeds go towards giving counseling sessions to people who can't afford it and they sell hats and the hats are great I mean you know I'm, I'm I like hats but like I like the fact that they give out yeah. mental health yeah more <laughs> than hats but um and, and you can also buy a hat, but donate uh, an entire counseling session. And they do it because they really believe that every life is precious and that every life is worth saving and that mental health is a huge part of that. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's wonderful because a lot of times people will be struggling and it's the cost of a therapy session that they can't afford. Yeah. I just don't think that that should be the case. And so... Buy hats. Buy worth hats. That's right. what I think. Yeah. All right. I need to get one. Yeah. And they're awesome. They're right. awesome. They're cool hats. hats. Yeah. They yeah. are really good hats. But yeah, therapy is great. And, and also, I don't want people to think that these things just go away. Like, that you just tackle it once and then they go away. Like, yeah. sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, man, you know, like, I could be looking this or that or maybe my butt this or my abs that like I have abs I mean they're under there somewhere but yeah, like yeah. you know but I just you know you always come back to um I love me not because of what I look like and not because of what I do or what I've accomplished 
uh, and the evidence, if I can't believe it for myself, is that I have a plethora, a huge group of people in my life that love me, not because of what I look like or what I've accomplished or what I can do for them. They love me simply because I am who I am. And that me being me is not something I can necessarily control. Like the essence of me is not something I can be like tweak and make more pleasing to other people. I am just me. Mm -hmm. And these people love me for that which I cannot change. And so if I'm ever like thinking that I need to change who I am in order to be loved, I I remind myself of my good friends uh, who always tell me they love me exactly for who I am. And that's my, that's my North star for this. So good friends, really good friends. Yeah. Like the best, the best kinds of friends in the world. Like seriously. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Um, kind of staying on that way for a minute. Um, just, I feel like we're kind of, with, with COVID and the state of the world, like we're in a bit of a mental health crisis. People are struggling from anxiety and depression and uncertainty. And um, kind, of, kind of focusing on something that you also were able to, to overcome. Um, you, you fought like very serious depression earlier in your life um, on your journey towards happiness. And, and happiness is like a fluid state. It's not something like, like you said, you like one one day you're happy and you're happy for the rest of your life. You yeah. know, there's, there's obviously ups and downs, but um, you're able, able to kind of overcome that, that heavy state of depression to, to, to raise through it. Um, can you kind of speak on, on going through that and um, any advice you would give to somebody that is in a state of depression currently? Yeah, um... It's not, it's not easy, but hmm, this is a, this is a tough one because there's so much to be said. Yeah. But, it could be like a yeah. seven hour podcast or something like that. Okay. Tips. Let's focus on that. Yeah. Um, one. And, and maybe even sharing your own experience so that people you yeah. know, can project what they're going through um, as well. Yeah, so like depression for me was very situational. I know a lot of people go through like a lot more of the the chemical stuff. So like by all means, like medication for people who need it. Uh, for me, I, I had a feeling it was more situational. Uh, but it was it was to the point where I was struggling to wake up every single day and I had no idea why I was waking up. There was no purpose. I had to create reasons to live. Uh, And for a long time, you know, as written in the book is the one reason that I came up with every single day that seemed like a good enough reason was just to eat a chocolate chip cookie. So, and also thanks for the vegan chocolate chip cookies (laughs) today. Yeah, they were delicious. That was my favorite part of the book because like I can, I can relate to that. Just like, you know, having a little treat every day, um, you know, times can be really tough, but if you have a minute of something that brings you joy, you can start to grow from there, um, I've found. 
Mm-hmm. That is exactly it. I think that, you know, uh, not that I haven't had like hard times since. There were times when I was like, I could start feeling those old feelings come back and noticing the signs of like, oh, just not feeling so motivated or not feeling as connected or feeling a bit hazy. Like, I know that, you know, these this depression starts like hovering when I have a hard time focusing on things that give me joy. And I think that that's been one of the go-to actions for me is to start making a list of rituals. And rituals are tiny things that you know will give you any amount of little bit of joy or Mm self-care. So even if you can't feel like, oh, that's going to give me joy, just like the logic of going, this could be a self-care moment. I'm just going to do until I feel. Mm -hmm. So these things could be eating a chocolate chip cookie, could be calling a friend, could be um, bubble baths on Thursday mornings, popcorn for dinner on Friday nights. These are all things that I'm doing for myself right now because during COVID, you're like, (laughs) there's nothing to really like... You know, there's not a whole lot to like look forward to, especially when you're single and you're like at home and you're like, wow, so there's the inside of my apartment again. Yeah. Um, so that's what I've been doing. Popcorn for dinner on uh, Friday nights with a bit of za'atar and olive oil. Delicious. So good. Yeah. So good. Um, bubble baths, uh, walks on Monday afternoons um, and little things like a lavender scented eye pillow and wearing perfume <laughs> like mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. tiny things coffee in bed and just trying to make an actual list put it into your calendar and do them and it's not just the action but it's also when you've made the intention to do this ritual of self-care in the moment that you're doing it, you're recognizing that you're doing it. So it brings yeah. you back to the present moment. So I think that, that that's one of the most practical ways of getting out of either whether it's a rut or starting the long journey, yeah. one foot after the other of climbing out of depression. Mm-hmm. These are all things that have helped. So finding small victories and small small moments of, of happiness to kind of build that to, yeah. you know a fuller experience of, mm-hmm. of joy or happiness. Yeah. Yeah, because big joys are really... It, it is a skill Yeah, to experience big joy. Yeah. Do you find that? No, I'm, I'm kind of like... I'm like the cookie guy. Like, I, 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 you can probably relate to this in business. Like, you hit all these milestones, and it's kind of like... Business mm-hmm. is like the very, like... It's like the anti-spiritual in some ways, because like... Yeah. You know, it's all about the here and now, but in business, it's like, okay, what's next? Yeah. You know, you, you don't stop to celebrate the victories because you're already, like, a year ahead or two years ahead. Yeah. Um, so I find, like, more than those, like, macro um, joys, I find happiness in the micro. Like, yeah. you know, I whenever there's, like, a vegan cookie on a menu, like, I'm having that cookie. Yeah. Um, you know, and... And um, this could be like a, a little segue to, to something that maybe you haven't talked to too much, but something we both enjoy is, is running. Yeah. And um, whether it's 20 minutes or an hour, just finding, you know, that, that joy and putting one foot in front of the next. And, and um, 
you know, getting outside and physically feeling and breathing yeah. and um, sweating and it just like opens the mind and yeah. Um, so for me, finding things like that, like a little bit of movement or a little bit of chocolate chip cookie, or, yeah, know, those, are, those are I find more joy in those things than I mean having kids were were big joys. Those were like kind of those like macro things that you're like, okay, this actually is like you know you're in the moment for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, now I don't know if everybody knows that you're a runner, but. You're, you're a runner. Yeah, I am a runner. I I don't know. Were you guys always runners? Like, did you always, like, the fact that I always, I, I know now that I am a curler. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just feel it in your bones. Right. Did you guys know you were runners? Oh, no. Like, I mean, when I was a kid, I think we, we've talked about it before. Like, we're all, I think we're all born and we, we, so we walk, and then very shortly after that, we run. We want to run everywhere. Yeah. So I think it's in all of us. Like, I would say that all of us are runners. Yeah. But some of us embrace it more than others. But in a very conventional sense of, like, the stereotypical, like, when you think of a runner, uh, no, like, I never did track yeah. when I was a kid. Um, I love to run, but not as, like, you know doing it as like an accomplishment. It was yeah. more just for fun. And then certainly through high school, it was like something you had to do in order to like be fit for sport. But it wasn't like, you, nobody would just run. Yeah. And now that's like my passion. It's like, yeah. let's get out and run. And that's where like magic happens and nothing happens and everything happens, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's so funny because when you talk to other people who are addicted to running, like... Yeah there's this like knowingness of that feeling you get and it's that rhythmic like space that kind of opens up and I guess this is what they call runner's high. Yeah. When you feel like you're floating, oh my gosh, is this like, are we just all drug addicts <laughs> and we're just trying to chase the high again? Like. Probably. I think, I think there's right. an element of that. Yeah. Because yeah. it is, it feels so good. Yeah, it does. It really does. Like, I, I, I was always, like, much more of a long, like, I'm, even in, like, working out and stuff, I'm much more of, like, a, like, a endurance person versus a, like, a, spur, like, a sporadic, like, if you tell me to do, like, squat jumps, I'll do them. Yeah. But they're not, like, my forte, but, like, if you tell me to go on a 10K run, I'll be like, okay, yeah, that was easy. Mm -hmm. And, like, other people are like, what? Yeah. So I think maybe there's something about my physiology that's just more, like, leans more towards that. But, yeah, I, I do love... And I love... Do you know what I love is going on vacation and you don't need anything but a pair of running shoes. Yeah. And sometimes I don't even have running shoes with me and I'll just wear, like, Reeboks because in the 70s, 60s, this is what people wore yeah. running. And you explore a city just as it's waking up and you see everything. And then after that, you're like, oh, I want to go back to that one market or I want to, you know. Right. It's nothing better than that. Oh, it makes so me good. think um, the first time I was in Paris, we, we landed and we didn't run, mm -hmm. but we rented bikes and we rode all around the city to find, you know, okay, where's, where's all the, the high points that we want to go see? And you see it in a way that you can't from like a taxi cab or an Uber or a bus. Yeah. Cause you're smelling the smells and you're out there in the same, like when, 
yeah, anytime you land somewhere new, it's the best way to beat jet lag too, is to put oh, on the yeah. running, running shoes and go explore and see what's out there. Get oh, lost. Get yeah. lost. Get yeah. found. Yeah. Oof. It's so good. I mean, I, I, I've stopped for the last little bit. I don't, are you guys like this? Like where you'll go like in and out of it. I'm like, I go through like spurts. I'm like super running all the time yeah. doing like 15 K's like every other day. Then like now I'm just like, eh, I think I'll just do some squat jumps at home. Squat jumps. <laughs> some burpees, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm definitely not, you're, you're, you're much more consistent than I am. I'll go through like, I also like cycling or, yeah. um, depends what's going on in life but I find like running will bring me that like instant joy yeah. if I'm needing a, like a shake up or a moment for creativity or just having a bad day it kind of fixes that um, but it is the best way to yeah. either on a bike or by foot I think it is the best way to explore a new place Yeah, get your bearings get that sense of like yeah. kind of teenage adventure in a way Yeah, or even a familiar place yeah, right? like like you could live in a neighborhood for a whole bunch of years, and when you when you run, it just it's different. Even if you walk in your neighborhood, yeah, like running, it makes it seem different because you take different ways, or I don't know. I, there's it feels always new, mm-hmm. right? And like you're not the same person, yeah, right, from one run to the next. So it is always something new. I, I've taken like little hiatuses mm-hmm. from it, but uh, it always pulls me back. And it's the cool thing about running. It's like, it's, it, it'll always be there. I yeah. feel like it'll always be there for you. Like It's true. As a, as a physical, emotional, and for me, like a, it's like a spiritual connection to being embodied. And yeah, I, I need it. Yeah. I need it. See, this is the funny part is that people that don't like running have no yeah. clue what we're talking about. <laughs> it's yeah. true. They've all just stopped listening. <laughs> yeah. They're like, idiots. Yeah. Tell us more about the cookies. Cookies and curling. Don't want to run. But it's so interesting because, like, when you find people who share an experience with you, even if, like, the three of we've never gone for a run together, maybe we should. But like, you know, we can we can share these experiences, and I think, like, even just bringing it back to the chocolate chip cookie, like, there's people who who know that experience of like finding whether it is like a cookie or a latte or whatever, but, but sitting and having five minutes to enjoy something Mm -hmm. and like that experience, we may get it on a 10 K run or a 15 K run, but it's the experience of like doing something for yourself that brings you a small, uh, a micro joy that can add up or train us to experience joys or just be an act of self care that really it, insert whatever activity it is right your favorite book story podcast run cookie but it's the common human experience that says doing something for yourself is vital yeah right yeah absolutely yeah i i do think that there is a you know they say like if you can't appreciate the small things you're not going to appreciate that you know or like um you know what's that thing where it's like try like if you can't do a good job with the small tasks, you can't do a good job with the big ones, you know? And I, I do think that there's like a thing to that about like happiness and joy is that, you know, in the small joys is where we train ourselves to appreciate like ever bigger things. Mm-hmm. Cause even it, like in my lowest times, even if like an amazing thing dropped on me, I probably would be like, well, I guess so. And, 
but this is what was wrong with that, you know? But it is a skill to, to stop and go, okay, let me like find the joy here, right. however small it might be in this moment. And I mean, I'm not always great at that, but yeah, like just a good reminder to self, like don't forget that practice because it, it is a, a daily practice, I think. For sure, right? And there's so much science out now to talk about like beginning your day with gratitude, mm-hmm. right? So it's the first thing you do when you wake up is, is set your mind to something that you can be thankful for. Mm-hmm. Even if it's simply like, oh, I woke up today. Yeah. Right, which is pretty huge considering yeah. we're never guaranteed anything. And you think, okay, so what are, what are a few things I can, I can be grateful for right off, the, right off the hop? And then same practice like at night, right? I know people keep like a, a gratitude journal or they just do it mentally in, in kind of like a methodical or even like prayerful review of their day, depending on tradition and belief or whatever. But they look and go, where are the moments throughout that last 12-hour, 18-hour span I need to say, oh, that was good, mm-hmm. and savor it. And it might just be like the smallest thing, but it is a practice, mm-hmm. and we need to we need to practice it for our for our own good. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, we just kind of like curl in on ourselves, and negativity is so easily multiplied within us. Mm-hmm. We don't need to practice that anymore. We need to <laughs> yeah. practice multiplying like the positivity. And like I always say, I'm always joking. Like I'm an I'm an eternal optimist, mm-hmm. but. I wasn't born that way. Yeah. Like you have to practice it. And even something you said earlier that's really just been sticking with me too is recognizing the beauty in life and knowing like these things are only so beautiful and good and we can really only truly appreciate them when we've seen like the other side. Yeah. Right? And like life can only be so beautiful because it is at times really hard and challenging. Yeah. And like you you kind of can't have one with without the other. But we often try to live without the beauty. We'll just like focus in on the negativity. Mm-hmm. And that's that's so toxic for ourselves. Yeah, I, I think that, I, yeah, it's something I've been really mulling over lately is this idea that we're all trying so hard to be happy and so joyful and, and thinking that that's like this end goal of, of our efforts. And to some degree it is, but also what's wrong with just having a hard time? Yeah. Right? Like what's wrong with that? And also doesn't just because we're having like a hard time doesn't mean it needs to be so serious either. Yeah. You know, like we see lots of people going through some really difficult situations and then it's like, you know what? We do our best. And laugh off the rest. Like, mm-hmm. whoa, that rhymed. Weird. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> oh my God. Can we like trademark that? Yeah, our best yeah. laugh off the rest. <laughs> Are people still tweeting? That's tweetable. Yeah, that's tweetable. Yeah. Are people still <laughs> I know one person. Yeah, there is one person yeah. tweeting incessantly. <laughs> we all went to the same place. <laughs> I was just like, when, I'm just going to say, like, would Donald Trump retweet that? <laughs> I don't know. Oh would you God. want him to? No. I, you know what? I don't know. Would you guys would you guys want Donald Trump to retweet anything? Well, if because he could laugh off the rest, I would be happy. Yeah, yeah. This he is would true. Just go away and laugh Dude, off the rest. You did your best. <laughs> laugh off the rest. I mean, we could tweet it for him. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Wow. We need to New campaign slogan. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's like the armband on the curling jersey. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. So good. Yeah. But it is yeah. so true, and it goes back to what you said about, like, fate versus choice. I mean... 
if we're doing our best, I think we're putting ourselves out there, um, you know, to the universe to to hopefully do our best and, mm-hmm. and whatever comes back our way. Um, you know, we don't always have to be so serious. We can take serious things with a light heart or, mm-hmm. or with a sense of humor. Yeah. Um, and that'll make hard things a little bit lighter, even if it's just a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, I just, I think that, like, at least for me, I spent so much of my energy trying to avoid painful things yeah so you're like oh i don't want to don't want to go through that heartbreak again (laughs) don't want to you know and it's like oh my gosh okay so so what if i get hurt and i fall and i do this and that happens again and oh and it's like how much time and energy am i wasting number one trying to avoid something that's probably inevitable number two you know, beating myself up over maybe making a similar mistake again. And it's like, gosh, like life is just life. Like sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's easy. Okay. Let's have some fun Mm. in the middle of all of it. And what do you miss out on if you're in a constant state of fear, right? Like if you're, if you don't put yourself out to opportunity, um, by taking risks and, and putting yourself out there to things that might scare you, there's, a whole lot of living that you're going to be missing out on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The best things that have happened to me have been uh, have come out of a a state of play and exploration. Yeah, and that is very opposite to a state of fear. Yeah, mm-hmm. you almost can't play. Well, you can't play. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Well, you can't. Yeah. If. Well, no, almost. Because if you're playing tag and someone's chasing you, you're like, ah, they're going to Yeah. Or roller coasters are fear right. and play at the yeah. same yeah. time. Okay, so I stick with almost can't play yeah. if, you're, if you're afraid, yeah. right? Yeah. So. Or you're not playing to the full, right? Yeah. Like you think about, I remember like coaching, you know, basketball for kids and it was like, listen, you're going to make a mistake. It's going to happen. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to throw the ball away. You're going to do something. I was like, miss a shot. 10 out of 10. I want you to make a mistake because you're going for it. Mm-hmm. Don't make a mistake because you're you're holding back or being reserved or you're afraid. If you're afraid to make a mistake and that's why you make a mistake, yeah, that's the most unfortunate thing you can do. Make a mistake going for it, yeah, right, and learn something and then try again. Versus like, it's safer just to sit back and not try anything. Yeah, that's your that's you're sunk right away. Yeah, so it's so true. Yeah. Man, what a good reminder to like keep on, just keep on pushing. Like, like just, I, I have a friend that's like, when I told her her own story of how she just overcame a fear and did something anyway, she's like, wow, that sounds really cool. And I'm like, <laughs> you did that. And she's like, oh, yeah, I did. And, like, we don't even, you know, even when we do get out of our, our own comfort zones, we don't congratulate ourselves yeah. for how far we've come mm-hmm. to. And I think that's such a huge part of, like, self-care is yeah. to go, I did good. I did it. Yeah. Well, and even, and this, this circles back to, like, your, your awesome kind of group of friends. Yeah. Like, I think sometimes when we say self-care, rightfully so, we think inwardly we think of ourselves but sometimes like the best thing you can do for yourself is care 
for someone else. Yeah. Right. And not, not in like a, in a, in a unhealthy, like codependent kind of way or like a, you know, giving of yourself in a neglectful way, but just saying like, hang on, like pause there. Do you see what you just did? Mm -hmm. And like giving that positive reinforcement and feedback to someone who's close with us. Yeah. It like, that does something for us too, right? And when we see people's pain or we see people's triumph and we, we acknowledge that we bear witness to that, it changes them, but it also changes us, yeah. right? By, by saying that. And I think that that's a really important way, right? We talk about like, what, what is, you know, what are we here for? What was our purpose of like learning and going through all these things and learning to let go and having these hard lessons, but translate into beautiful things later is like serving each other, yeah. caring for each other. And if that, if that means your, your bubble, your safe six, whatever, whatever it is these days, your closest people by, by playing that role and feeding back to them and saying, no, you did that. Yeah. And then it like, it does something to, to, to both of us, right? In that moment. It's so true. It, have you guys ever given a random compliment to a stranger? That's the freaking best. That's the drug right there. It is. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Yeah. It's like. Excuse me, miss, you know, you're, I just, I just had to stop you and tell you, you look beautiful today. Like your hair is on point. Like, and that person's like moment, you can see that their self perception has just flipped and they're all of a sudden going, oh my God, my hair is on point today. This is amazing. And then not, I mean, I partly do it because I'm like, I want to make someone's day better. And also their hair is on point. But I'm like, I feel so good after I've done that for me. I'm like, I want to do that again. You're both walking away from the exchange, like better for that moment. The ripple effect of just like sharing a little love. Yeah. Yeah. She'll probably, you know, a little extra pep in her step and she might smile at a stranger that might pass that smile on. And then all of a sudden there's this like wave of of happiness that came from just a random act of kindness. Yeah. yeah. And seeing people. Yeah. Right? It literally comes back to like seeing someone and acknowledging mm-hmm. them for more than just like, oh, you're my barista. Yeah. Or like you're the person that I'm waiting in line next to. And like in my mind I'm like, oh cool, cool bag or great hair. But yeah. I don't ever vocalize it. It's like, oh I don't want to be weird. I don't know this person. Yeah. But like literally it's like it's more weird to just stand silently in the company of others yeah. or stare at our devices, right? Yeah. Than to actually speak it out and then let that, with the butterfly effect, right? Like yeah. away it goes and who knows what happens 10 people down the line yeah. that started because you complimented someone, right? Yeah. And that compliment probably came out of some gesture of kindness that was given to me before. Goes, totally, right? yeah. Because like for me to be in a good mood, you know, like... That's not just me like mustering up good moodness in me. Like, <laughs> Turn the switch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not a machine. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, it, it is, I find that it's also nice. I, I don't know if it is a gender thing, but like it is really nice for a woman to compliment another woman. Mm. Like there is something very, I don't know, the energy of that is so like nurturing mm-hmm. and I really I really like that and I feel proud to to own some of that like energy inside of me to to share with other people. Mm. I like that. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think on a note too, like I, I, I can't remember the name of it, but there was there was 
I love the studies. There was a study done where, where they said that when someone pays you a compliment, you should actively think about it mm-hmm. for 15 seconds, Ooh. which is a long time. When you think about it, 15 seconds doesn't sound like anything, but when you actively think about it, you should receive the compliment. And we always try to justify it. Oh, I really like your sweater. Oh, thanks. Like, oh, I got it on sale. Yeah. Like we, we automatically <laughs> try to downplay it. So they're like, don't just receive it. Receive the compliment yeah. and, and savor it is the language. Savor it for 15 seconds. Because if we don't, yeah. it doesn't fully land in us. And when we do, it does the full like endorphin release and makes us feel good. Yeah. And they said that uh, the flip side of it is when someone pays you like a negative compliment or like a criti- like not a negative compliment. When someone like yeah. criticizes you or it says something negative to you that it sticks. They call it the, the Velcro Teflon effect. If you don't savor that positive comment for 15 seconds, it's like Teflon. It just yeah. kind of like slides off and you forget about it like it never happened. But we can all think of the one email that we got or yeah. text or critique that someone gave us in passing that has stuck with us for maybe years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that those things, once they're on, they're on. We don't have to think about them. We just ruminate on it. Yeah. But the positive ones, for it to stick with us, we actually have to engage with it and like kind of sit with it and savor it. Yeah. Which is like a, kind of a beautiful thing to do, right? To be Absolutely. like, oh, yeah, yeah, thank you. My hair is on point. <laughs> I did put some effort in. Like, you know what I mean? It seems so vain and silly, but for it to like really have the effect, you know, there's how our brains work and stuff, they're saying, take it and sit with it. Yeah. And there's something about taking a compliment that also take that, uh, that requires a light heart. Like, yeah, man, my hair is on point. Right. Like, and you do it with a light heart, like, and I think when you have an attitude of a light heart, compliments are easier to take and it, they're easier to give. And it just, it's like, you know, I, I don't know what it is. Like, why did, yeah, I, I remember being that person that would go, oh, no, 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 it's not, it's not me. It's, you know, and it's like, well, gosh, like, it's not that serious. Like, I'm. This isn't going to define me. Like yeah. my hair being on point one day doesn't ne- now mean like, you know, I am I am the girl with the on point hair. Like twenty four seven. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything, it, it, but it does. Yeah, you know, and yeah. it's that's I, that's a really interesting that, yeah. dynamic. I love when I heard that. I was like, oh man, because I would be, you know, someone would say, hey, good job, and I always try to deflect. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like false humility, and then I was like, oh. That's actually not good for me to do that. Yeah. And it feels weird at first, like just standing in it and owning it. But then it's like you learn to practice those joys. Yeah. And it helps us. Yeah. Wow. Such good nuggets. Like so much to think about. Also like, wow. Like there's, there's just a lot, a lot of good stuff to like take in at any given moment. Yeah. Yeah. Present. I've got a couple of, you know, random questions. Okay. I'm sure Dean's got a couple too, and then we can kind of, kind of eventually land this. Even though I want to sit here and talk to you forever, and then go back to curling and yeah. back to running. Um, I remember one moment that I shared with you. I think it was at the bay. Might might have been somewhere else. It was like oh, yeah. part, party spirits was like launching their new shoes with kids. Yeah, I remember this. And we started talking about like 
crystals and astrology and it kind of just like you know when like you, what you the whatever box you put someone in is like just like blown open yeah it's like oh Jackie's got this like cool spiritual side and it just like opened up like kind of my my perception and curiosity and um I just wanted to to see if you would kind of share what your spiritual practice looks like yeah, I mean, my spiritual... It's so, do, you remember, do you remember that I conversation? I totally remember <laughs> We were like talking about gems and crystals yeah. and astrology, and I was like, oh, I want to talk to Jackie forever about this. It's so interesting, because I remember that conversation being like, and it was around the time that I started really coming out of the spiritual closet, yeah. as they say. Yeah. Because, like, before... I mean, there are so many rando things. Like, I've watched so many documentaries on, like ancient aliens and like crazy stuff that people would be like wow Jackie like really (laughs) and I don't I'm not saying I I believe in some of the stuff out there but not all of the stuff I mean some of it's like just you know you're curious and you want to know more but yeah um uh so spiritual practice yes I am not like like one of those people that's like really super consistent with like anything yes um so there are moments where i will i actually read tarot cards for myself cool uh i very rarely do it for anyone else because i i do think that there's a like a responsibility that goes along with it (laughs) that you're like oh i don't want to touch that (laughs) but i'll do it for people that know me and know that I, i i have a great trust that like they're in charge of their own lives and they might just pick what helps them and leave the rest, which is the way that I do it with tarot cards. It's like, I'll read for myself and I'll go, whatever's going to advance me or help me, I'm going to take whatever doesn't like, forget it. Cause like, I mean, I don't know, like, am I receiving like, you know, messages, who knows? Right. So I, I, it's only a tool for me to, to become uh, more peaceful. That's it. My spiritual practices, uh, I, I truly believe that um, anytime I'm agitated or I don't feel at peace or I'm not aligned with myself is just a really nice signpost that either I'm outgrowing the old version of myself or there's something in my belief system that I need to rethink. Mm. And it may be a very practical spiritual practice, but I think that there is a lot of spirituality in just the act of observing and knowing yourself, which I think that all the other things like meditation and, and, and like spiritual teachings and a lot of it is really just um, tools and methods and ways to really find your truest self and how to make sure that nothing there aren't there are as little roadblocks in the way to you um, expressing that or beaming that out into the physical world so whatever that is in the moment I think that's what that's the one consistent thing is that I'm always trying I do feel like it's like my purpose in life is just to be as true to the truest self that I can possibly be mm. and yeah that's my spiritual practice I like it yeah I like it 
Um, looping back to running, just because I always want to talk about running. Can you describe, <laughs> just because none of us can travel right now, and I want to go on a little bit of a trip right now. Can you tell me about your favorite run in Paris? Oh my gosh, yes. yes. Okay. This was back when I was training for the semi, uh, semi-marathon. And um, I mean, I've never done a full marathon. Have you guys done fulls? I haven't. Okay, you haven't? You, I you've done, okay. Yeah. I know it's a totally different beast than a full uh, doing a semi, but it was like I had done, uh, I was training for the semi. I'm really horrible at training for semis. Yeah. Like, I'll be like two weeks before, like, I haven't been training. And then like, <laughs> but because I've logged enough hours, it's not like I, it's that much of a stretch from doing Basically. 15 to, to 20. Right, right. You're not starting at nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm not, and also I, I, I work out a lot. Uh, so I know that I'm physically capable of doing it. I just want to enjoy it. So my favorite run is going from the 10th, which is the north, never eat shredded wheat, okay, northeast of Paris. <laughs> you run all the way down to the Seine, uh, which is south, and then you run along the river all the way to a certain point uh, where there's um, the, I think it's like the Napoleon Third Bridge or something like that. It's a beautiful um, green bridge with mm-hmm. like laurel wreaths surrounded and statues up at the top. Then you cross over that bridge. And obviously, it's so romantic. And it's a little dangerous in the cobblestone areas, but there's like along the quay, along the Seine, there's like a cobblestone area. So yeah. you kind of have to like dance around the cobblestones and it's really cool. And then you run up over the bridge. Then you keep on running along that avenue. And all of a sudden, there's a, there's a row of trees and you'll pass that row of trees just enough where the Eiffel Tower starts emerging from behind the trees oh my gosh. and you'll run out to the and you're standing almost in front of this towering monument wow. and then you do a big turn because there's the champs de mars which is like the big park you basically run the entire uh champs and then you come back and then you run through the marais all the way back up to the 10th and it is like one of the most iconic runs. Oh my gosh. And then on the way back, I always run through the Louvre. Mm. And so you pass the pyramids and you st- obviously you stop to take pictures. And it's just the whole architecture of the Louvre was actually created to make you feel small in the presence of royalty. Wow. And so the proportions of the windows and everything are meant to make you feel tiny. And so you're standing there dwarfed by this amazing architecture. And then I always go through to the other side, to the east side of the Louvre. And there are beautiful sculptures that nobody looks at. And those are always like really beautiful reminders of like, okay, I am surrounded by art here. It's amazing. And then you go back through Le yeah, and back up. It is so beautiful. That's awesome. It's a good run. That one, that one altogether is surprisingly only 15K. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, because Paris, from the longest end to the other end, is only 10K. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's teeny. So, yeah, yeah. so runnable. Wow, I think we need to visit Jackie in Paris once. Yeah. So we can all travel and go for, just, we'll go for a run. We'll go for a run. Oh, my God, it's going to be so fun. And, like, these are not, like, pra- like, I always stop 
to take pictures oh, along yeah. the way because yeah. I'm not like oh I need to make a good time and, like I'm just not yeah. like that also there are so many like stop like because it's all you know yeah. city right yeah so you kind of like stop and you know chill out yeah, I love it have you ever gotten into like the the madness of Tour de France and in Paris? I haven't. I know people that have come to visit just to sort of be a part of it. Yeah. And then they've done like more amateur legs of the race. Yeah. Um, I know you're a huge cycler. Yeah, I love it. I actually, that's one thing I think I might be okay at because I'm an endurance yeah. person. They go well with running. They complement each they? other. Do they? Oh, yeah. And I also like the idea that you can like, uh, like, cover more ground you go like 100k and it's like yeah. no biggie 10k 100k is like a 15k run really yeah i love oh and there are so many good a uh, countryside um cycles yeah. where you go outside of paris and you can cycle probably all the way to uh uh like where they make breaches wow Anyway, <laughs> this is where I, these are all like the places in France. I'm like the place where they make Comte and the place where they make Brie yeah, and the, yeah. the landmark. Well, yeah. it's kind of part of cycling. You like, I mean, you you live this culture. Like you cycle to go have a pastry, you know, yeah. like uh, or have a nice coffee. Like they kind of like the culture you're part of is also very much part of cycling. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think uh, once you're past the curling career, when you <laughs> okay. need to yeah. go cycling ago. Yeah. I also know that Thomas Haas, he, yes. he's a big cycler. Oh, yeah. And the Haas and I... The Haas. Yeah. The Haas <laughs> and I, I think, you know, like, are... We're not. We're not in a friendly competition because yeah, we have nothing rivals. to compete about. But like, I like to think sometimes that we're like in friendly competition. So if I were to like start cycling, yeah, I think he it would really gear him up. Oh my god! Because he's really competitive. He's a Strava junkie too. You should just yeah. follow him on Strava and like <laughs> show that you're do a few rides. Do like ride. Go on like an e-bike and like don't say it's an e-bike and just like fly up <laughs> Cyprus and let him see it. <laughs> oh my god, I could, oh, sorry the Haas, but oh my god, I could totally like, mess with him. Was, yeah, I love <laughs> it. would be so funny. But you know, there is like a huge, you've done like the, the Paris tours, right? And there's yes. like kind of like traveling and food, and so you just throw in the component of like, I mean, I would sign up for, it's like, yo, we're going to do these runs or rides, and these are kind of the food stops we're going to hit along the way. Yeah. And these are the things you're going to see, like... Yeah. I'd be like, that sounds like the best way to go on vacation. Yeah. I mean, there are really bikeable routes from Paris all the way to, I want to say Amsterdam. Wow. And you cycle all the way through Belgium. And then, and people have done it. Um, my, one of my friends is a big cyclist and he, he did one, I think, I want to say he did one to Germany from like the cool. Western end of France. Yeah. And he said it was really fun and you pack what you pack in your in your like little side saddlebags and and you go and yeah and then you just find these little towns and you stay at the little inns and whatever yeah like it's so fun yeah i'm sure i've I've been wanting to do one of those for a while so yeah maybe when you guys come to paris we'll plan this like little extra trip out of Paris, like a cycling trip. Although I would have to train to keep up with you guys, I think, before. Well, so there is something that um, Tim down the street has a, um, a bakery called The Sanctuary, and he coins it civil cycling. So you're never going faster 
then uh, you can share a conversation with the person next to you. Um, you're never taking it so seriously that you can't stop for, you know, uh, a, a croissant or a cookie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's more like the social side of cycling. Like, you're still, like, you know, getting some serious kilometers in, but you're not, like, overly serious. It's not a race. Okay. It's not like a race. You're riding from cafe to cafe. Kind yeah. Of yeah. It's, the, it's the conversation and the camaraderie as much as the cycling, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's a good that. way to do it. Yeah, I like that. Tina, do you have any other directions or questions? Oh my um, goodness. But, I mean, of course we do, but yeah. part two might be in Paris as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll record part two in Paris. Yeah, okay, cool that, that sounds be? good. I like <laughs> okay. that idea. I love how I'm just like trying to entice all the cool people to Paris so that I don't have to miss out. Like, you can have them my best of both worlds. Have Vancouver right. in Paris and Yeah, Rome. yeah. Um, yeah, did you have any other questions? No, I think it's good. I Honestly, I, I'm just so appreciative of your time and um, how you've you shared so vulnerably, vulnerably in your book and with us and just like the, the wisdom that you have and the light-hearted way I think you hold it and just know like that it makes it more impactful, um, your story and just being with you in this time. And I'm just yeah, so, so grateful to have been able to hear more and learn learn more about you and learn more from you in terms of how to be in this world so thank you yeah. and i this has been such a great conversation and i'm so glad that we we could actually do this even during covid especially during covid as you guys i told you guys earlier i'm like only socializing with my parents I love them for the record, but like only socializing with your parents starts to drive you a little bit up the wall. So I am, I like, you don't know, this conversation has meant a lot to me. So I appreciate it. Oh, one last thing. I don't know if you remembered. I sent you a little note as like, I will, I will pretense this. Okay. I'm like uh, a passionate vegan, plant-based lifestyle. And I usually like, you know, I watch like cooking channel stuff and I'm just like, I get kind of turned off from like meat or even like butter and dairy and stuff. But the way you write about food is so beautiful and so like, like, I just like fell in love with how you talk about butter, Yeah. you know? And it was such, it was poetry. It didn't matter like any of, you know, the politics behind food. It was just beautiful for what it was. So Good. thank you for that. Good. Um, but having said that, I did send you a note to bug you. Um, I wanted um, to hear what your favorite vegan recipe was. Okay. Well, I know that you just gave me this delicious vegan cookie. And I it, it is really good, trust me. Like, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. But I do have a vegan recipe that I, I, I love. And I think... This is the thing, because I'm not a vegan. I'm not... I always... I eat plant-based most of the week but I obviously am not vegan but I'm always looking for ways to uh, add vegan habits into a non-vegan lifestyle because I don't think that it needs to be uh, especially for hesitant people like me it needs to be like one or the other it's like just you know do what we can yes so there's this great cheese company I don't know if you guys have heard of Violife yeah Okay, do you like Vio Life? I do. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to check or else you'd be like, damn, Jack. I think as a like a classic cheese eater, yeah. this cheese is pretty impressive. Yeah, that's an endorsement. 
It, I think it's pretty good. I'm going to DM them and be like, yo, you should be working with Jackie Ellis. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. They did send me some free stuff okay. to, to test out, yeah. which is, but I obviously wouldn't be talking about it unless I really felt like it. Cause I, I'm not getting paid by it. Yeah. <laughs> I have to paid like, by the slice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so they gave me some stuff to try out and, and I was like, do you guys know I'm not vegan? They're like, yep. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not promising anything. Yeah. And they're like, don't worry. We just want you to try it. I was like, That's okay. Cool. So I kind of looked at the ingredients and that was my first like criteria is that I want to recognize what's in the ingredients list. Because mm-hmm. if I'm pumping my body with chemicals, I, I'm, I'd rather eat something that I can recognize. Yeah. So, and what I love about them is that you can recognize what's in it yeah. and it doesn't seem overly processed, although I'm not a scientist. So, sorry, that's like one of my dad jokes, a scientist. Okay, sorry. <laughs> we like dad jokes. Okay. We're going to do an episode just on dad jokes. <laughs> like such a nerd sometimes. Anyway. Uh, nerds are the best people. Yeah, anyway, I yeah. agree. Um, so... So I kind of knew what to make from their stuff. So I had a bag of cheddar shredded and white shredded, which is, I think, also the cheddar with, like, different, like, whatever coloring they use. They probably use, like, turmeric or something. And then they have a uh, cream cheese that I don't know if you guys have tried. It comes in a log. I haven't tried their cream cheese. Okay. It's It's quite good. So this is my vegan mac and cheese recipe okay. and it's legit good okay all right i'm ready so easy in a pot boil your pasta yes what kind of pasta are you boiling i did orchetti okay but mac and cheese mac yeah. yeah yeah then in another pot you melt the cream cheese yeah and you add in the shredded cheeses and the thing melts into the creamiest sauce without wow anything else yeah you can be fancy add (laughs) onions if you want whatever i'm kind of like a mac and cheese purist like i don't think you should put other things Mm -hmm. in there other than just the mac and then the cheese then you put the noodles in mix it up salt pepper and you're done and it is creamy and it's so good and even cold the next day oh yeah i want that for dinner today i know it's really good and what i'm thinking is for non-vegan people, instead of buying like craft macaroni and cheese where like you have the powder, just get some of this um, this cream cheese, this vegan cream cheese, and use that as the sauce base because that just melts into a creamy sauce. Hot tip. And, yep. and it's like as e- easier, if not as easy as the box. Is the, the, the KD. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's my favorite. That's my favorite vegan recipe. Yeah. Thank you. Amazing. Okay, very last question. That was supposed okay. to be the last one. But I always, I'm obsessed with people's favorites. Yeah. Um, I, whenever <laughs> I traveled, I would take a little notebook and I'd ask people to like write down like their favorite books and their favorite cities and like, just like I called it my book of favorites. So it would be kind of be like a source of inspiration um, for when I was looking for something to inspire me. Um, so your book's amazing. Everyone should go pick up a copy or listen to the audio book like I did. Um, if you're buying a book for your, your besties, those, that group of 10 that you love so much, um, which book would you buy for them? Uh, recently I've been, I was, I, well, I've been getting a little bit more into 
Mary Oliver's poems. Okay. I don't know if you guys have read her stuff. Okay. I have oh, a little bit. Yeah. You guys would, yeah. You Oh, you guys would love this. So I just bought one of her selected poems because up until I bought one of her books, I'd been reading her stuff online. Yeah. And she grew up really poor in sort of like, I want to say like uh, Northeast states uh, in the mountains would forage for food. And as she's foraging, she would be sort of one with nature and just start writing little pieces here and there. And which then became some of the most celebrated poetry uh, coming out of the United States. She is... She has one poem called, I think it's The Summer's Day or something, and she has one, one, um, and it basically talks about the marvel of life. And she has this one part in the poem where she says, like, uh, who, who is this grasshopper that's sitting in the palm of my hand, hand eating sugar? And who made his jaws go uh, front to back instead of, like, uh, up and down? And um, she ends the poem with, like, what are we going to do with this one precious life that we have? And it's like, she has this way of just being so simple and vivid and right to the source of truth. Mm. And it's a lot of it's inspired by nature. So I would give each of them a book of her selected works. Cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I want to pick up a copy now. Yeah, please do. She's so great. All right, Jackie. Well, thank you so, so much for thank coming you. to hang out with us. Um, we're grateful for your time. We're grateful for, you know, your book and all that you've, you've shared with, <laughs> you know, the collective community of, of this shared human experience. Um, can't wait to follow along your adventures um, through Instagram and, and wherever else. Um, we always like to let people know where they they can can find you. So Instagram, Jackie Kai Ellis. Jackie Kai Ellis. And then I think like website, my website's meager, but yeah, JackieKaiEllis.com. Yep. They can find me there. Yeah. And then you've got a website for your apartment as well, right? Yes, I do. That one is, uh, I don't check it out as much, but it's aptlafayette.com. Okay. And people can find your book wherever books are sold. Wherever books are sold. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. Is there going to be another book? I hope so. I hope so too. Yeah, but I'm waiting. Yeah. It's percolating. Awesome. You know. Yeah. All right. Curling with Jackie coming in 2025. <laughs> the curlingirons.com. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Jackie. Thank, yeah, you. thank you. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.